You're listening to the Paradigms Perspectives Podcast. Have you ever wondered, there has to be a better way to achieve my dreams and to achieve my goals and do it in half the time and half the stress? Well, that's exactly what we do on the Paradigms Perspectives Podcast. We give you tools, strategies, resources, insights, and different perspectives on different areas of your life. We also cover current events that are going on in the world as well to help you achieve those dreams and goals and half the time we have to stress. On behalf of the Paradise of Perspectives podcast, I would like to say thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Paradigms and Perspectives podcast. Today we have a special treat for you. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, yes, one of my favorite subjects, which is entrepreneurship. Yes, entrepreneurship is one of my favorite subjects, but we're really going to take a deep dive and we're going to be flying at a high altitude. Well, we're going to talk about something that's not really talked about in the entrepreneur space or in entrepreneurship in general. And that is, today we're going to be talking about the family tree. Yes, that's right. We're going to be talking about the family tree. So today's episode is entitled, The Entrepreneur Family Tree. Because there are different types of entrepreneurs. There's different levels. There's different criteria and different strategies. There's a lot of things that goes on in entrepreneurship, and entrepreneurship usually just has this one general label, and so you have a lot of different entrepreneurs, you know, you have the the normal entrepreneur, you have the being entrepreneur, but most quote-unquote entrepreneurs are really more lifestyle entrepreneurs, but enough for the intro, let's get right into explaining all the members that are involved in the entrepreneur family tree. First up, a very, very important member of the entrepreneur family who they do great things, but they don't get a lot of respect because it's not sexy, but these people are very, very valuable. And without them, most organizations wouldn't be as successful as they truly are, but these people love being in the background. And this is the entrepreneur. Yes, right, the entrepreneur. These are people that have an entrepreneur spirit, but they work inside of an organization. So they don't necessarily are the founder or they're not necessarily responsible for capital or raising money or anything like that. But these people are very, very important. And I would also even argue behind every successful enterprise is a successful entrepreneur or a collective group of entrepreneurs. So there's two types of entrepreneurs. There's the executive entrepreneur and then there's the results entrepreneur. So the executive entrepreneur, these, which is the most common of uh, entrepreneurs. These are people that are, are executives, but they also have the entrepreneur spirit, aka an entrepreneur. So 
This can be your CEO. This can be your CFO, your CMO, your chief strategy officer, your chief technology officer. What really separates them from just being a regular executive is the entrepreneurial spirit, the entrepreneurial vision, but without them having to go off and start their own company. So, like I said, entrepreneurs are very, very important. Not only that, the executive entrepreneur is just not concerned uh, with making money or having perks. They actually genuinely care about the company. They care about the results of the company. They care about the values, the principles, and everything else. Whereas a typical C-suite executive, okay, they have a six-figure salary. They have a position of authority, and they have this certain lifestyle they love. And that's pretty much why a lot of people want to become executives is because of that. It's because of the conversation, because of the leadership and the authority when it's convenient, and uh, because of the potential lifestyle that they can live. But the executive entrepreneur goes beyond that. You know, they want to make a good salary, but they also care about making a difference. And also, too, um, the entrepreneur or even the shareholders would reward the executive entrepreneur with stock or with equity in the company. So in the event that the company was to sell or if the company's valuation grows over time, for their loyalty, their dedication, and their commitment, the, intra- the executive entrepreneur will be uh, highly rewarded for that. So that's the uh, executive entrepreneur. Then you have the results entrepreneur. Now, the difference between the executive and the results entrepreneur is that the executive is the executive and the results entrepreneur is usually more of an operations leader or somebody that has that entrepreneur, that entrepreneur spirit, but they're good at getting results. But they're not necessarily an executive or they may not want to be an executive. But they still have that entrepreneurial spirit. They still have the entrepreneurial vision. They still have that entrepreneurial strategy and execution. And they have that specific mindset. And like I said, they're still an operations leader or they're still in some type of leadership capacity. And that's what I was. I was a results entrepreneur when I was working at the financial services company. Uh, like I told you before, I've always had a different mindset. I've always thought like a VP or I always thought like an executive. And then, you know, uh, when I went to college and I started learning more about business and then I started to really understand what entrepreneur really was or entrepreneurship really was, my entrepreneur spirit started to come out and started to develop. So I achieved a lot of great results. Uh, Like I said, I was an operations leader. As some of you also know, I was a former corporate trainer. I was uh, a high performance coach uh, as well. I was a consultant, I was a mentor, I was a trainer, I was an advisor. Like I said, I did a lot of different capacities. And they all what they all have in common is I was focused on getting results. So that's why I said that I was a results entrepreneur. Not only that, I didn't really want to play the corporate politics to move up the ladder. Hence the reason why I prefer to be more of a results entrepreneur uh, than an executive entrepreneur, but 
Um, I've been having some, I've been doing some research lately, so I may potentially uh, decide to really continue to start trying to uh, build entrepreneur enterprises where I can be uh, really more of a, of a visionary entrepreneur, which I'll talk about later on in this podcast episode. So, uh, so when it comes to the entrepreneur and entrepreneurship, there's two types. There's the executive entrepreneur, and then there's the results entrepreneur. Next, this is the most common quote-unquote entrepreneur that you see. This is the most popular one that you see nowadays and they don't like being called this but we're going to call a spade a spade but this is primarily what they are you have the lifestyle entrepreneur aka the influencer so and that's like i said that's primarily through social media so a lot of these social medias that make millions of dollars and they have this like you on the outside and look like they have this great lifestyle they're just lifestyle Entrepreneurs, aka influencers, they're just they're just building a brand. They have influence with a certain group or a certain niche, and in exchange for the value that these influencers or the influence that they provide, they have some um, type of compensation, whether that's through a product, whether that's through a service, whether that's through a sponsorship or even a partnership or some other type of business agreement. But yes, most quote-unquote entrepreneurs are really lifestyle entrepreneurs or influencers. Like, I talked about this in a previous podcast episode where I talked about, which was entitled Missing Executives. So if you get a chance, go back and listen to that. And the whole concept that I talked about in the Missing Executives episode was about all these quote-unquote entrepreneurs. But when I was on LinkedIn and I saw somebody talk about it, it made sense. All these quote-unquote entrepreneurs, but where's your executives? Where's your C-suite? You a CEO of a one-person company. Yeah, you may have millions of followers, but where's the structure? Where are the systems? And As in corporate, where's the SOPs? Where's the standard operating procedures? Where's the instructional design? Where is that stuff? It's not there because they don't have it. Now, I've already talked about the difference between small business and actual entrepreneurs. You can also go back and listen uh, to that podcast episode as well. But, yes, you have a lot of influencers or these lifestyle entrepreneurs. And like I said, they primarily built their brands on social media Um and trust me, it's not as always glamorous as they make it seem. A lot of quote-unquote lifestyle entrepreneurs are really struggling. They're just putting up a facade because you follow them, so they have to keep that image up. It goes back to what I always talk about, about the three eyes: the insecurity, the incompetence, and the inadequacy. They want to try to hide that. So they're going to put up all these smoke and mirrors. They're going to show you living this fabulous lifestyle. But what people don't understand is entrepreneurship at any level is difficult. That's right. Any level. Especially if you want to be sustainable, if you want to have longevity. 
Um, so yes, influencers or AKA lifestyle entrepreneurs, and it was primarily built through social media. For those of you that have been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you've heard me mention my accelerator concept. Well, the next group in the family tree is, of course, the accelerator entrepreneur, uh, based on uh, my accelerator concept. Now, if you're hearing this for the first time, my accelerator concept says that there are five groups of people or five accelerators that does exactly that when it comes to you achieving your goals and your dreams in life. They actually help you accelerate, hence the reason why they're called accelerators. So the accelerators are mentors, consultants, coaches, trainers, and advisors. Those consist of what I call accelerators. Now, the accelerator entrepreneur is just basically mixing the accelerator mixed with entrepreneurship, hence you get the accelerated entrepreneur. So, of course, you have mentors. Mentors are experienced and trusted advisors. Then you have the consultant. Depending on if the consultant wants to scale up into entrepreneurship, this is a person who provides expert advice professionally. So, once again, you know, like I talked about on LinkedIn, a consultant is a person who has expert advice and they do this profession. This is not a hobby. This is just not, oh, somebody comes and talk to you and you consult them, you know, pro bono, or you just do that kind of as your heart. No, consultants, real consultants, shall I say, they actually uh, provide professional expert advice and they're actually compensated for that. Then... You have coaches. A coach is a person who gives specialized instruction and teaching. Yes, it's specialized and it's tailored to the individual. Then you have the trainer. A trainer is a person who provides strategic, specialized teaching, observation, and analysis. So that's the difference between the trainer and the coach is that they provide strategic specialized training whereas the coach would just provide specialized instruction and training so it's the strategic it's the strategy that makes the difference not only that a trainer has a keen eye for observation and they have a deep thorough and explanation of communicating their analysis and then you have the advisor this is a person who provides direct guidance based on past expertise and experience for important and specialized situations. Keyword, important and specialized situation. So this could be a multi-million dollar deal. This could be a billion dollar deal. This could be even, you know, uh, when the president needs to be, needs to be advised on, on special international affairs or even local domestic affairs for that matter, they have specialized advisors that will provide their um, expertise and experience to help that leader uh, achieve a certain goal or a certain task or a certain initiative. But just like the lifestyle entrepreneur, 
the accelerator could decide to engage in entrepreneurship too, building out SOPs, instructional design systems, and basically just really building the foundation for them to grow and uh, take their business to the next level. Now, you could just have influencers and you could just have accelerators that don't want to extend it to entrepreneurship where they're comfortable making a six-figure salary. And they're fine with that. They don't want to make millions. They don't want to fully develop and expand and build a brand and maybe even build a small enterprise. So that's also an option too. Then we have the entrepreneur or the regular entrepreneur, which is what a lot of entrepreneurs, quote unquote, aim for to get to the true essence of entrepreneurship, which was defined hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And this description and this explanation will be based on my mentor, Roger James Hamilton, who's the author of The Millionaire Master Plan, which is a great book, by the way. Uh, I highly recommend that you go pick that up but also based on his Wealth Dynamic System, which is a profiling system for entrepreneurs, which I also highly recommend. You can go to YouTube or Google and type in Wealth Dynamics and it'll give you more information about that. But Roger says that there are eight profile types or eight, eight entrepreneur profile types. And you have the creative, the promotional slash advocate, you have the leadership, you have the sales, you have the hospitality, you have the marketplace, you have the financial, and you have the systematic entrepreneur. So um, let's, let's get right into it. So with me loving entrepreneurship and my personal favorite, which is the creative entrepreneur because I would fall under the creative entrepreneur. The creative entrepreneur includes likes of like Sarah Blakely, Steve Jobs, uh, Walt Disney, and uh, Richard Branson. So if you associate with people like that, those are people who would be uh, considered the creative entrepreneur. Then you have what is the promotional, the advocate, or the brand entrepreneur. These would be people like Arnold Schwarzenegger um, and Oprah Winfrey. These are people that would be, you know, based on a brand. So basically, your goal is to magnify a certain cause or a certain value that you feel like is important. So these are people, like I said, they're very extroverted and they're good at promoting and advocating for certain causes. And they just use their brand to shine light on these causes that they're very passionate about. Then you have the leadership entrepreneur, which these are people that are just uh, great with leadership. Um, these are going to be people similar to maybe like a Bob Iger from Disney or this could even be a Jack, a Jack Welsh uh, from GE but, uh, or even a Steve Ballmer 
who was at uh, Microsoft with Bill Gates. So these are people that are good at leading people. Then you have the sales entrepreneur, which these are people that are very sales-oriented and they're very sales-focused. Uh, so the modern-day entrepreneur I can think of when it comes to sales could be uh, Patrick Bedavid with PHP and Valuetainment. Uh, this could definitely be a Donald Trump. Uh, this could definitely be a Gary Vaynerchuk. And this can even be definitely be a uh, Rupert Murdoch with Fox and even uh, Grant Cardone uh, with real estate. Then you have the hospitality uh, entrepreneur in which um, this can be people like, you know, Steve Wynn with the Wynn Hotels. Um this can be a Conrad Hilton with the Hilton Hotel. So anything that is related to hospitality. So this could be restaurateurs. This could be hoteliers. This could be resort owners. This could be hospitals. These could be doctors. These could be people with private practices and stuff like that. Anything that's related to hospitality and healthcare. Then you have what I call the marketplace entrepreneur which these are people that they're good at observing marketplaces and making strategic moves based on the activity that is going on in the marketplace. So these could be your Warren Buffett's, your George Soros of the world, in which it's primarily focused on acquisition and liquidation. I'll say that again. In the marketplace, it is really comes down to Two different things, acquisition and liquidation. Okay, when should we acquire more things and when should we learn to liquidate or sell different things? But that's how that is when it comes to the marketplace. Then you have the financial entrepreneur. These are people that are just very good with numbers, uh, usually tend to be more introverted. Um, so these could be like the J.P. Morgans of the world. Or maybe the Paul Tudor Joneses of the world. People that have a high intellect of the world. Oh, um, this could even probably be maybe even a Ray Dalio. Uh, very good with financial structures as well. But a Ray Dalio also could be a part of the marketplace. So sometimes you could be more than one, but this is primarily for you, like your strong suit. And then you have the systematic entrepreneur where everything is about systems and functioning efficiency. Uh, this could be the billionaire uh, Robert F. Smith with Vista Equity Partners. Of course, Jeff Bezos with Amazon. This could be Larry Page and Sergey Brin with Google. Uh, and then, of course, this could be uh, Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. And this could even be uh, Tim Cook at Apple. So, once again, based on a wealth dynamic system, a recap, the eight profile types of entrepreneurs are the creative, the brand promotional advocate entrepreneur, the leadership entrepreneur, the sales-based entrepreneur, the hospitality entrepreneur, the marketplace entrepreneur, the financial 
entrepreneur and the systems entrepreneur. Next up, you have the transitional entrepreneur. Yes, the transitional entrepreneur, which is also very, very important because the transitional entrepreneur is exactly that. It's there to be there when the company needs to take a transition, and it's usually the transition into growth or even to hyper-growth. And this is usually that secret piece, that secret component to really, like I said, to really taking that enterprise to the next level. And it's usually hard to get to that next level or get to that upper strata of success without the transitional entrepreneur. And there are two types of transitional entrepreneurs. There's the visionary entrepreneur, and then there's the executive entrepreneur. I'm going to say that one more time. There's the visionary entrepreneur, and then there's the executive entrepreneur. Visionary. I consider myself a visionary, which I am, and I've had results and proof to prove that. Now, a lot of people want to be the visionary entrepreneur because it's, once again, it sounds sexy, and when you're able to pull it off, but it has a lot to do with intuition and just being able to see it into the future. Now, being a visionary is a blessing and a curse. Because it's a blessing because you can see into the future. A lot of times you're way too ahead of people and you're way too ahead of technology. So sometimes you could be 10 years, 20 years, or even 25 or even 30 years ahead in the future. But then you have to go and come back. So you've already seen it, but then now you got to come back and actually execute it. And some of my favorite visionary entrepreneurs who... I would say the visionary, the group of entrepreneur that has the highest chance of pulling off being a visionary entrepreneur are usually the creative types. The, uh, the creative and the systematic entrepreneurs based on that wealthonomic system in the previous segment, those are two groups that have the highest percentage and the potential to become visionary entrepreneurs and to be also even become transitional entrepreneurs. So what I mean, Stevie Jobs, for example, which who I think is one of the most brilliant entrepreneurs to ever walk the face of this earth, Steve Jobs was so ahead, it's just not even funny. And that's how he was able to help today Apple is now a trillion-dollar company. Uh, Richard Branson, the same thing, the things, the innovative things that Richard Branson was doing in his 50-plus-year entrepreneur career. Richard Branson was ahead of his time as well in being innovative, and now the Virgin Group is a well-respected international multi-billion-dollar enterprise. But then, of course, Walt Disney... You know, Disney is huge. That's a huge conglomerate. But Walt Disney also was a visionary entrepreneur who 
was well well into the future. But the visionary entrepreneur is also somebody who has the vision. They create the strategy. They create the plan. But they don't interfere. They allow the entrepreneurs to actually execute that vision. But they're still there as a guide. They're still there. They're focusing on the, the big picture, whereas the entrepreneurs are focusing on the day-to-day execution. So even with um, Bill Gates with Microsoft, yeah, Bill Gates was growing the company, but it wasn't until when Bill Gates ascended into becoming a visionary entrepreneur and he allowed Steve Ballmer to come in and to be the entrepreneur and that's when Microsoft had explosive growth, where there was some years Microsoft was growing at over a hundred percent. So, I mean, it was just, it was just asinine. It was just crazy at the rate of growth um, that they were growing at. Even uh, with Elon Musk. Elon Musk being a visionary entrepreneur as well with SpaceX, SolarCity, and Tesla. But we're noticing that Elon Musk is a great entrepreneur, a visionary entrepreneur, but not so much of a great executive or even an entrepreneur. And like I said, you need you need the entrepreneurs for the overall success of the company because you can be a great entrepreneur but if you don't have entrepreneurs as well it's going to fall apart you're not going to have the longevity which leads us into the next transitional entrepreneur which is the which is the executive entrepreneur and this is a rare breed this breed here is very rare, kind of similar to the visionary entrepreneurs. So you can actually say transitional entrepreneurs are even the rarest group of them all. But of the subgroup, I would probably say the executive entrepreneur is the even most rare. Why? Because when you're an executive entrepreneur, you, that means that you have competency as an entrepreneur. You have competency as an entrepreneur. That means that you could be a good entrepreneur, but you also have competency as an executive. So that means you're a good entrepreneur and you're a good executive. It's the perfect integration between the two. And really only 10% of entrepreneurs can do this. Where... They're very good at being that executive, but they're also very good at being an entrepreneur. And the entrepreneur niche class that has the highest chance of becoming and excelling to become an executive entrepreneur is that leadership entrepreneur from that wealth dynamic system. So somebody that has great leadership capabilities, they're the perfect candidate to become an executive entrepreneur. And there's two people that come to mind when I think that are good at becoming executive entrepreneurs. 
You have Patrick Pedavid from PHP and Valuetainment. Patrick is good at becoming an executive entrepreneur. Then you also have Gary Vaynerchuk, who is also good at becoming that executive entrepreneur. But if I had, but if I had to say, I would say Patrick leans more towards the entrepreneurial side, though. Even though he is a good executive, I would say Patrick is still a little bit more more entrepreneurial than executive. But like I said, he has the competency and that perfect integration of both. Gary, on the other hand, is good at entrepreneurship, but I would say he leans more towards the executive side. So... I would say Gary would lean more towards being more of an executive, whereas Patrick will lean more towards becoming an entrepreneur. But like I said, they both have the competency and the perfect integration of both. Hence, that's why they would be classified as executive entrepreneurs. Then you have the entrepreneur that a lot of people want to try to emulate or try to achieve, but most people really fail at it because, like I said, they don't really develop a competency as an entrepreneur, and that is the serial entrepreneur. A lot of people love to be brand, oh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and you haven't even mastered one entrepreneur enterprise yet. But in short, the serial entrepreneur is a entrepreneur who has a minimum of Three businesses, yes, three. That's what I would consider a serial entrepreneur. It's somebody that has three businesses or more. Or maybe it can even be, they can have one big corporation, but then they can have subsidiaries. But basically, uh, three business enterprises, separate enterprises that are standalone. Not that, okay, you have one business, but it all falls under the same umbrella. So I'll give you an example, right? From So an entrepreneurial enterprise can be, okay, let's say, for example, you sell merchandise, right? So you have a T-shirt component, you sell cups, you sell mugs, you, have, you sell socks, you sell hats, you sell... Uh, Anything else that you can throw a brand on, right? All of those are product lines. Even though you technically could start a subsidiary for each one of those, that's technically, those are technically just product lines or divisions. So somebody that says, oh, well, I'm going to say entrepreneur because they sell shirts, hats, clothes, um, and all that other stuff, it's all basically in the same niche. So that's not... I wouldn't consider that a serial entrepreneur just because you sell hats, t-shirts, jeans. It's it's all clothing. It's all merchandise. Whereas, I would say a serial entrepreneur can be somebody that they can have a lifestyle brand. They can have a, a fitness company or even a nutrition company. And then maybe they may even have a real estate company. 
or even two, maybe they might even also be an influence, have a uh, be a have a lifestyle business, or be an influencer. That would be considered a serial entrepreneur. People that have multiple businesses. Case in point. Let's go back to. Uh, let's go back to. I give you two examples. Let's go back to Elon Musk. Elon Musk is definitely the example of a serial entrepreneur at the billion dollar level. He had Tesla. He has SpaceX. And he had SolarCity, but I think he merged SolarCity with Tesla. So now primarily he just has Tesla and SpaceX. So I think SolarCity. I think Tesla acquired Solar City, but at the same time, prior to the acquisition, there were three different businesses that he was running. So I would consider that a serial entrepreneur. Going back to my favorite entrepreneur of all time, or at least, yeah, Walt Disney, right? Walt Disney was in the entertainment business but at the same time, Walt Disney was a serial entrepreneur, and here's how. Because you have parks, that's hospitality. So even better, so they have the parks. That's, that's one form of entertainment. Then they have the, um, the hotels and the resorts. That's a completely another division or enterprise structure. So you have the parks, you have the hospitality, the resorts and stuff like that. And you can even throw the Disney cruises and stuff in there too as well. Then you have the, uh, and then you have the entertainment side, which is the movies and the TV shows and all that other stuff. So as you can see, Walt Disney or the Disney company is considered uh, serial or billion multi-billion dollar enterprise and it's because it's in different categories whereas previously using this using one category which was merchandising and everything else circling around merchandising but with Disney's case that merchandising then hospitality and then um, well, transportation too, and uh, also technology, and a lot of different industries. So that's the difference between a entrepreneur and a serial entrepreneur. And I know somebody's gonna say, "Well, what about two businesses? Two businesses don't count because usually what happens when somebody has two businesses." Is usually they started one business that became successful and then they went and started another business and then boom, now they have two businesses and then, oh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. No. Because more than likely, that second business is one of two things even happen. Either that first business is getting neglected and is not getting that same time and attention or you're delegating to the second one. Now, 
A fair argument could be when you're a serial entrepreneur, you have to delegate too as well. But also part of being a serial entrepreneur, the transitional entrepreneur is in the background. So if you really want to put it all together, the serial entrepreneur is really the transitional entrepreneur, but taken to a, a whole other level. To a, to a certain degree. But you can also be a serial entrepreneur and have three different businesses. And not be a transitional entrepreneur. A good example of that would be uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary started off as in the wine business with his father. As an entrepreneur. Then he started Vayner Media as an entrepreneur. Then he even started Vayner Sports, him and his brother AJ. Even though now AJ primarily runs that. And then he has uh, Vayner RSE, which is a, a venture fund, a capital fund. And then he also had Empathy Wines, which he recently sold for a nice exit. So this was all in different categories. It wasn't in the same category. So that, hope you got some value out of that. And my explanation of what a serial entrepreneur is. Now we have the legendary entrepreneur. And I would say this is just me observing entrepreneurship, but from my definition, I would say a legendary entrepreneur is somebody that has at least 20 years as an entrepreneur. Yes, that's right. 20 years as an entrepreneur. And you may have been an entrepreneur, but you don't get credit for that. If you want to be a legendary entrepreneur, I think you need to have at least a minimum of 20 years as an entrepreneur. On top of that, you have owned or you have built multiple billion dollar enterprises. That's right, multiple billion dollar enterprises. It's not enough just to have 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur. And you've only built multi-million dollar enterprises. Now, that's still a tough, that's still very impressive. That's still very important. But to be legendary, I'm talking about the true legends, legends, legends. I feel you, 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 the, the icons, the, the legend, legends, you need to, there should be multiple billion dollar enterprises. Preferably at least three, preferably, coinciding with the serial entrepreneur. But yeah, but the first criteria is important. 20 years as an entrepreneur, because you can have highs and lows. You can start off slow the first 10 years and then pick up fast the last 10 years. But I, I wouldn't necessarily make you a legend because 
the first 10 years you struggled or you didn't really have success early. So this is all about like longevity and sustainability in which you have the experience, but you've also, like I said, you've built multiple billion dollar enterprises. So that is my explanation or my definition of the legendary entrepreneur. Not a lot of people reach this level and that's fine. That's okay. Like I said, you still can be an entrepreneur or even for that matter, you still can be an executive or you can even be a small business owner or you can be average. That's okay too. I don't want to be average, but that's okay too because not everybody's meant to do different things. I mean the same thing, should I, should I say. But at the end of the day, it comes down to sacrifice values and alignment. What are you willing to sacrifice? What do you what do you value? You know? Just like I talked about in the You Can Have It All episode. You can go back and listen to that too. It has to be in alignment. So you have to have alignment. You have to have values and, and sacrifice. For some people, their family is very, very important. They'd rather be average and have a great family than anything else. You have some people that their family is important, but their career and their economic stability comes first. And for them, it's more quality than quantity. You just have to find out, like I said, be self-aware of what's important to you. That's what that comes down to. And then last but not least... The granddaddy of them all, the icon, or should I say the, yes, yeah, that's right, the icon entrepreneur, yes, the icon entrepreneur, and it is the requirements are very, very tough to meet, and only very few are able to pull this off, very few are able to pull this off, but the icon entrepreneur, so let's get into it, number one, 40 years of experience. Yes, that's right. 40 years. That's rule number one. You can't be no icon if you ain't got 40 years in the game. I'm sorry. You can be legendary with 20. But if you want to be an icon entrepreneur, you need 40 years. You need at least 40 years in the game. Next. Multiple billion dollar enterprises. And this could even be with equity investments, too. So let's say, for example, you got 40 years as an entrepreneur, but you didn't help build all of these multiple million dollar enterprises, but you have high equity investments in these companies. You still qualify as an icon entrepreneur because, yeah, you had the personal experience, but at the same time, you've been able to invest into these billion dollar companies. So you still have ownership, you know, at the billion dollar level. Next, international billionaire. Yes, that's right, international billionaire. Like, keyword, not just your home country, but international, you're known all around the world. You're an international billionaire. 
And then lastly, you can innovate and or influence international markets. Yes, that's right. You can innovate and influence international markets. Two people that come to mind was Steve Jobs. Now, I don't know if Steve Jobs uh, had 40 years, and I know I mentioned that, but Steve Jobs is the anomaly because he revolutionized and innovated things so much. And Steve Jobs, was he's an international billionaire, but also Steve Jobs was able to innovate and influence international markets. I mean, the iPhone is worldwide, literally worldwide. But yes, when I think about somebody that was able to do that, who's an icon in every sense of the matter, like I said, um, he may not have had 40 years of experience. Uh, at the, well, let's set the record straight. He did not have 40 years of experience at the time of his death. And like I said, he's the anomaly. But because his his innovation, his influence in international markets was so vast and so great, that's why I would still consider Steve Jobs to be an icon. I mean, he's your he's really your your favorite entrepreneur's favorite entrepreneur. And then of course, um, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, you know, definitely got way more than 40 years in the game. Uh, built billion-dollar enterprises. Has huge equity in billion-dollar enterprises. International being that he's known all around the world as well. And he might not be able to innovate, but he's able to influence international markets. So, that concludes... The Entrepreneur Family Tree. So, let's go ahead and recap all of the family members in this tree. We covered the entrepreneur. We covered the lifestyle entrepreneur or the influencer. We covered the accelerator entrepreneur. We covered the regular entrepreneur based upon the wealth dynamics system. We covered the transitional entrepreneur, the serial entrepreneur, the legendary entrepreneur, and now to end with the icon entrepreneur. This concludes today's episode. We hope you really enjoyed yourself and you learned something from this episode. We want you to take those insights and these strategies and the blueprint and go out and execute them so that you can achieve your dreams and your goals in half the time or half the stress. Once again, thank you for listening to the Paradigms of Perspectives podcast, and we look forward to seeing you in another episode.